Crane on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. You know, obviously I trust the leadership. I trust Big Ben, the Big Ben coming to the um, Trev. Is, Trev is awesome, right? So communicative and all those things. So um, I'm, I'm kind of in my own little bubble right now, you know? So I'm um, so we're just about our team. Um, making sure that I think the key for all teams right now is as realignment happens in the coming years. And who knows what the future is going to hold, making sure that my job is to make sure that the University of Nebraska is relevant nationally. And um, so I just have a lot of trust in, in the Big Ten and the leadership, and I think it's, you know, the, the dominant conference of college football. And um, so we'll, we'll play wherever they have to tell us to play. Well, it's easy for Coach Rule to answer that question because, as I stated before, geographically, Nebraska is in the center of the country. Yeah. So it's a big recruiting bonus as you start – you know, trying to figure out what the new Big Ten will look like and what kind of comes next with that. Um, it's easy. As, as for teams that are way east or way west, it's not. It's not, it's not as easy to, to appeal to a recruit and say, hey, you know, you, can try, you get to, you know, travel 1,200 miles, <laughs> uh, just one trip, or, oh, you get to travel um, 8,000 miles throughout the football season yeah. or, or whatever it may be for Rutgers or Maryland. I think Rutgers this year is, what, 6,600 miles, and that's in the current Big Ten model. Yeah, right. So uh, I can't imagine it's what going, that could It's going to be like. more. It's going <laughs> to be more. <laughs> um, and, you know, it does take a huge toll on the athletes, but, um, you know, Nebraska doesn't have to worry about that. They don't. At least right now, right now, all you have to worry about is winning. <laughs> you start there, right. and then the recruits will come with it. Yeah, I mean, the recruiting, you don't really have to worry about. You do still, to a lesser extent than the um, than some of the teams on the East Coast and West Coast, but you do still have to, it is still a significant uptick in travel for Nebraska to have to go out to the West Coast probably twice a year. Maybe they try and get it all done in one trip, depending on the sport, but it is an increase in travel for them. But what it does is, like you said with the recruiting, it increases the Nebraska footprint into other mm-hmm. parts of the country, right? Nebraska's tried to go up and get players out of the Pacific Northwest before. Indomitian Sioux is a, is a good example there of somebody they've actually been able to land out of the Pacific Northwest. They've gone into California before, done the whole Calabrasca thing, and uh, gotten some really good players out of California. They've obviously been in places like Texas and Florida and the East Coast. So Nebraska needs to have success in those places. And actually physically being there sometimes with, hey, you're going to go play a game against Oregon. You're going to go play a game against USC. That can only serve to help your footprint in those areas. Now, I don't know how much or how soon that will take effect in terms of improving recruiting, but it can't hurt. It certainly can't hurt the awareness of people on the, in those places for the University of Nebraska. So it is beneficial for them. The travel's less of a, the, the team that are, it's really rough for is the West Coast teams, right? right? Um, because you have to deal with the time change everywhere you go. Well, and everything's a long trip, right? Mm-hmm. Everything outside of those four teams on the West Coast. And it's not like Oregon to Southern California is a short trip, right? Like that's a pretty lengthy trip in and of itself. And so going from there to Nebraska's your next closest team, which is literally halfway across the country, you're dealing with, a lot of things that the rest of the conference doesn't have to deal with, but for football, it doesn't matter. It's all the other sports that you have, even men's mm-hmm. basketball, which is a revenue sport, right? And they right. get to in for most places it is. And you get to have some of the, the finer things in terms of your travel and accommodations and things like that. 
you're still maybe going on two, sometimes three road trips a week. That becomes a big deal all of a sudden, even with the nicer accommodations. But then you go down the line to the, 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 the sports with smaller budgets, whether it's women's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether it's softball, whether it's soccer, all of these things where you start running into some issues. Those are the sports that it's going to get really tricky for. And, you know, Sam brought up an issue that I've thought about before, and I think it actually makes a lot of sense in that maybe football needs to just become its own thing where it is kind of autonomous. It sort of already is. The NCAA doesn't run the college football playoff. It doesn't have anything to do with putting on the championship at the FBS level. It's the only championship I think that the NCAA doesn't run is major college football. So it already has sort of separated itself from the rest of college sports. That's the way it's been set up. It makes a lot of sense for them to kind of be their own entity because they're playing a totally different game, not just the actual sport, right? But financially, they're playing a totally different game than everyone else. They have none of the same constraints. They have none of the same, even scheduling difficulties, right? You're playing once a week. That's Mm -hmm. so much easier to deal with, even with cross-country issues, than every other sport where you're playing multiple times a week. It, It makes a ton of sense for football to kind of be its own thing, be its own entity, and then try and figure out more regional, traditional conferences for all the other sports where you're not putting this additional undue stress, whether it's financial stress or actual stress on schools and student athletes. I think getting to 24 could be really huge for the big 10, especially if we look at the divisional approach, Mm -hmm. because if you can add, say, let's just say they add Cal and Stanford just for the sake of this argument. Well, now you can really start pooling these teams into divisions of six. Yeah. You could put all six pac 12 teams or what once were pac 12 teams in the same division. Yeah, the pod system. That could be your AL West, right? (laughs) And then in the AL Central, you have Nebraska, you have Minnesota, you have Iowa. Wisconsin. Group six teams right there. Put a circle around them, right? And then you go out east. I mean, Michigan probably even extends into that circle. Could be, yeah. For the West. And then out east. Michigan and Ohio and the Indiana teams can kind of go either way. Right. And then out east, you do a big circle around the east coast. Yeah, you got Maryland, Penn State, Maryland. Exactly. If you can get to 24, ideally, I think that's where you need to land if you're the Big Ten. I was thinking 20 at first, but then if you get 20, who's the one Pac-12 school you add? Because if you don't add a Pac-12 school, then you're circling Nebraska into that mix. Because that's that's the farthest West team that you really go. So here's the bigger question, though, is I don't know that Stanford and Cal are the direction they're going with this. Because they don't bring the... They don't bring the athletic prowess in football that you want because i understand people are all out there that say okay stanford's the number one athletic department in the country i get that it's because of all the other stuff right stanford football has been up and down has its highs and lows obviously david shaw has moved on mm-hmm. um which i love david shaw but that's a really hard job out there it's always been a really hard job before harbaugh had the job they were dreadful for years so yes they've got some history with your john elways and jim pluckett's and andrew lux of the world but, and don't forget my Christian McCaffrey over the 49ers there. Who's that? Uh, I don't know. Just like the best running back in that. I don't know. Oh. Um, but you've got these, all of these, these football schools. And then you want to get in bed with Stanford and Cal, which doesn't really make a ton of sense, right? These are football moves that are being made. 
I think they probably wait out the ACC. Hmm. I think that's the next move, which I still think the pod system makes sense, but it makes it more challenging if you don't have two more West well, Coast teams. But what you could do, though, is do four then. Yeah, you could do. You eight. could do four. Like, it, you really just have to keep the West Coast teams on their own. Together, yeah. And then work in, because there aren't those scheduled rivalries anymore. Like, yeah, you have one or two if you're in the current Big Ten yeah, model. You would have or, a couple, what's, like, what's deal breaker games. Yeah. But then you could have your one-off games out West. And frankly, you'd only have to do this in all of the other sports. You wouldn't even have to do it. for You could. You could keep it that way for football, but this is important for the other sports, Mm -hmm. for men's, women's basketball, for baseball, volleyball, baseball. So like all the other sports that we've been talking about that, those are the teams that it's important for, because again, you're flying across country once a week. It's not that big of a deal. If you're football, if you're all those other sports where you're playing two, three, four games a week, if you're baseball Mm -hmm. and softball and you're on the road for a week and a half, two weeks, and then you're required to come back to class on, you know what? Here's another thing too. Even if you're not, you know, traveling three three different stops say i i play for you know the nebraska baseball mm-hmm. team and our road trip is what for whatever reason it's it's usc then we go up to oregon mm-hmm. then we go up to washington and we go back home after that just say that's the road trip for for whatever reason yeah well if i just even went to usc and back home yeah if it was a one-off to say we played friday saturday sunday well every teacher requires me or and not just teacher the team requires me to be in class on Monday. Yeah. So I'm on the West Coast. We end our game at 10 o'clock. Say the flight back to Nebraska is, what, three hours from the West? Yeah, about three, four. Three. So say we'll go on the high end. We'll say four hours. Now we're back. By the time we got on the plane, mm-hmm. we're probably back at one, two o'clock in the morning. Best case scenario, yeah. But you also have to say you skip ahead two hours because yeah. we were on the West Coast. So, so it's, four it's, it's three or four o'clock yeah. in the morning. But then you want me to hit my 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. class. Here's where academics and sports have to now intertwine. You have to be okay with either sending the work early or letting them do that work from their bed, well, so- their dorm room, or, or doing it later. Let them sleep yeah. in, recover, and then get the work done and, uh, and be an excused absence. I really think we're going to fall into that, too, with individual universities. Sure. I think everybody will have their own rules, but I think the best way to operate, too, in regards to looking out for the student-athlete with travel time mm-hmm. is to give them that day buffer, but still having them do the work. Or sure. do the homework, or, or you know what? You're not trying to get out. Everything of nowadays yeah. is recorded, right? Record your lesson and send it in an email to the athletes. Well, so here's what I didn't un- or don't really understand is why, with so much of education being virtual or uh, you know online or whatever now, anyway, why do you? Why is there still the rule of being physically present in class when you could either you know catch it on the plane with the plane's Wi-Fi or whatever, right? Catch the recording of it later. As long as you're getting the work done. I don't totally understand why it matters. I'm not asking for these guys to get out of anything. Just being flexible with uh, with what you allow them to do uh, for me is really important. The other thing is, you know, maybe they schedule the West Coast series a different, a little differently. Maybe they go Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe shift the the baseball series a little bit that way. The other thing that's a possibility, and this is kind of a weird example here, but. So I went to a school where a lot of uh, a lot of people ended up working in churches, right? And so their their uh, internships and stuff were at churches on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of schools that do that just give them all Monday off because they have to. They'll go travel out to different places and take a two, three, four hour drive to go intern at a church 
and then come back on Sunday. So a lot of those schools just give them Monday off. That would also be an option if you're worried about traveling on weekends and being back and just going to a four-day class schedule. You still get each of your classes twice a week on an every-other-day deal. It, it seems doable in a lot of different ways, but there are going to have to be adjustments and some compromise between the athletics mm-hmm. and the academics because that's the place where we haven't done a ton of thinking about this, right? We've thought about, oh, there's money here and, you know, Oregon and Washington needed a place to land and all these other things. We have to think a little bit about the academics of it all. And I know that's an afterthought in all this. I get that. But unless you're going to break football off away from everybody else, like I talked about, then we have to start thinking about these things because there are real world consequences to, you know, the swim team and the, and the cross country team and all these other teams that don't have the same luxuries of the sports that we watch on television. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, amazing Daniel on YouTube asks, is there a cutoff date for new teams to be admitted to the big 10 to be able to play in 2024? I don't know if there's a so-called cutoff to ending up playing in 2024. I know the cutoff for conference realignment was supposed to be July 1st, but is a deadline ever a deadline anymore? When we talk about sports, as long as everybody agrees to it, nobody cares. Well, and not only that, I think, if, if you really look logistically, I think you can pay a certain amount for an exit exit fee at any time. Yeah. And it just depends on how far you are away from that so-called quote-unquote deadline date well, in order to do that. Also, it depends on where you're at with the TV deal. Part of the reason it was so easy for the uh, Pac-12 schools to leave the conference is because they didn't have a, a deal in place after this year. And so there was nothing tying them to that conference from a – um, from a you know legal standpoint with television contracts or whatever past this year. So it became really easy for them to leave. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we haven't seen the ACC poach yet is because they do have that grant of rights deal that has those teams tied in financially. Until 2036. Yeah, until 2036. Now, and how do you get out of it? Well, so that's a really interesting question, right? Because there is a number. There's always a number. The number I heard for Florida State, because they're the ones that have been, uh, we'll call whining about it the loudest at this point are they whining or are they just antsy it's legitimate right there's legitimate gripe to be had on their part because there's probably greener pastures for them but there's there's the number that i heard for florida state and i don't know if this is accurate at all right because nobody knows what's actually in the grant of rights Mm -hmm. deal we've just all been told it's impenetrable okay which i have find very hard to believe but what i heard the number is at this point with 12 years left on the deal is 300 million to get out of it which is a hefty sum for any athletic department. Come on. I have that in my back pocket. <laughs> Come on. 300 mil. I will take just a little bit of that. I just want to share. Did you win the lottery this weekend? No, I didn't win oh, the okay. Mega Million. No. Nobody did. We're going to be at 1.55 tomorrow. Yep. And I got a lucky for life ticket just because. Uh, but for, so Florida State's looking at, we'll call it conservatively a nine-figure mm-hmm. bill. Okay. So obviously that's. And let's say that's the bill for every team. Yeah. Not just which Florida it probably State. is. Right. So you're looking at that and you say, okay, that's probably not something where they can just write the check mm-hmm. or even, you know, put it on layaway. I don't know what they do with that kind of, Hey, can I pay this <laughs> off monthly? Yeah. It's like you go to Kmart and you give them the, <laughs> you give them the thing. But they, what I've actually heard is that Florida state has started looking into private equity partners to finance their move out of the ACC. Uh, it's really the only thing I, Which, unless you have that one 
unless you have the Matt Ishbia. rando person. Yeah. yeah, the Ishbia or like say you know the local to say Buffett went to you know whatever school and was like okay like, yeah he's it, just writing the check because he's a billionaire it doesn't matter right but this, and Oregon has like Nike Phil connections Knight. yeah he's got the so, Phil Knight connection and he can write that check mm-hmm. and you're good to go he didn't have to so you know good on Phil Knight but the the really interesting thing part of uh, part about the Florida State thing though is that would be the first time that I'm aware of that an athletic department would be tying itself in such a major way to uh, private money. And I know we've got boosters, I know, but the boosters aren't getting a return on investment in financially speaking, right? Mm-hmm. They obviously get something out of it for them. They get power, influence, they get the nice box seats, whatever, right? But if you're dealing with private equity, you're talking about an actual financial return that would be expected of Florida State. So whether it's a, uh, I, I would imagine it is a a cut of future earnings. I, that's the only way I can think they would pay it back. That gets really interesting because all of a sudden you're swimming in very different waters and the detachment from amateur athletics, quote right. unquote, becomes vastly larger. Mm-hmm. There is a gulf between, you know, the softball team at Florida State and the football team at Florida State, which now has private equity money. Mm-hmm. And then what now is that? Has a, an owner. Well, yeah, exactly. They, they have a govern, a board of governors probably at that point outside of the university, which becomes really, really interesting. Do they get a say in hiring and firing of coaches? Do they get a say in the next athletic director? What all do they get in a, a say in for their money? And then you have to start wondering, okay, do they become part of the collective? Do they start... Uh, contributing to NIL and paying players so that they can get an even better return on their investment. It is a crazy path to go down in terms of, I don't think it's crazy for Florida state to explore, but in terms of the consequences of that type of a move. Well, and it'll, it'll take a lot of time to pay that back too. I mean, you're not talking about paying that back. I mean, you're talking like, you know, a couple decades probably, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, absolutely, especially because if they move to the Big Ten mm-hmm. now, you yeah, wouldn't be getting your a full share, share. Your share may be $40 mm-hmm. million, dollars, right? Maybe, right. Yeah, you're, you're probably like Oregon and Washington are getting half shares, right, until mm-hmm. the next contract. So you look at that and you say, okay, I'm trusting not only for this private equity to get me out of the contract I don't want to be in, but I'm trusting that the next contract at the Big Ten right, is, is going to be enough to make this worth my while because – Listen, I know people say the TV money's not going anywhere. It's probably not. But what's it going to look like when the next Big Ten deal is up? Because streaming's on a little bit shakier ground than it's been or than we thought it was going to be at this point. Um, The television deals, I get that live sports are still the most uh, highly sought after commodities, but I just don't know what the finances are going to look like in the next time the Big Ten deals up. So by tying yourself to private equity, and again, that was just a rumor that they Mm -hmm. might be exploring, but I think that's a whole... There is a whole rabbit hole there that I don't know that you want to go down if you're any institution, uh, but Florida State specifically. And you don't want to take the approach of there's always more money. You don't want to yeah. take that approach either because now you could sacrifice losing control of a lot of a lot more right. than what you well, gave up initially. And that what, that would be a worry of mine if I go with a hedge fund here because what does I, private equity get control of? Right. What do they get to decide? Especially with an institution. Yeah. Right. I mean. Do they get to decide like academic standards Mm -hmm. for admission for certain athlete? You know what I mean? Like there are so many tentacles to what this could impact that I think you have to be pretty careful in what you decide to do there. And 
listen, yeah, the more money you spend, the more say you get. And we've seen that with yes. Live and, and the merger with PGA. The more money you spend, we see the it more with, say you're going to have. We see it with boosters now, and there's not even a legal financial agreement mm-hmm. in place there, right? We've seen it before. We're, because you don't want that money to go away, especially with yes. boosters, because that's not a, hey, a forever guaranteed thing. Right. You know, and so you look at that and you say, we've already seen boosters get guys fired because they didn't like how it was going and they threatened to pull money or whatever. And so now you've got that, but it's a legally binding agreement mm-hmm. that they are giving. Like, I don't know. You'd have to be really careful in the terms that you agreed to for that private equity money. And you're probably better off just staying in the ACC, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. The other option if you're Florida state or any of those ACC teams is to take seven schools with you. Cause if you can get over half, I, and again, nobody's really actually seen the grant of rights. So this right. is all speculation, but the thought is that if you can get to over half of the teams to leave the conference, that the void, the grant of rights becomes void. So if, if it were me, if I were Florida state, I wouldn't actually make the private equity play. I would try and leverage it to get the other teams that, probably can't afford to go the private equity route your nc states your wake forest places like that your virginias uh virginia might be able to they're weirdly rich in virginia they're just not that good at their sports outside of- <laughs> yeah okay fair enough <laughs> uh in football at least they haven't been great lately maybe um but like I'd, maybe I'd, tech i don't know yeah virginia tech i don't know what kind of money they have um like miami i know wake they've forest. got money in some places but not others yeah wake forest so you go to some of those teams and say hey we want out I know that you may not have a place to land, but if these teams, let's you know, say the four of us, the Florida State, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, we all have private equity deals. We're leaving regardless. Have fun in your new AAC version mm-hmm. of the ACC. Um, maybe you can leverage those teams into joining you to leave the league so you can leave for free. Yeah, you need your big dogs to go too, though. Yeah, your you, Clemson, Clemson, your UNCs, yeah. your um, Florida States, as you had already said. Um, you need those guys to go to Clemson and Florida state are the ones that you would have to get to go in order for the leverage to work because mm-hmm. losing those makes the conference dramatically. And different. you know what? We kind of talked about it. Even if, even if Miami stayed, I think you're okay. Like, I, I don't know if Miami's considered one of the big dogs in that conversation Not right now. So, you but know? you would want them to go to, yes, absolutely. Because of just name prowess and, and, and you know, recent recency uh, yeah. in, in regards to success. But Aside from all of that, it's like, uh, well, you know, really the only three teams that I'm worried about here are Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. Yeah. And if you can get those three on board, you can probably tell NC State, like, hey, man, why don't you come with, why don't you come yeah. with Big Brother here? So and that then, you don't end up in the sh- in a shell of a conference. Right. And then NC State makes the first move, and then you start looking at, like, the Louisvilles of the world. And they're yeah. like, well, you know, actually, I probably could fit in pretty well with the Big 12, and I'm in, like, you know, that yeah. area. And, like, okay, so. They already they, took West Virginia. They right, could take me. Right. You know? So there are there are those conversations. But as for the student athlete, I really do worry for the young ones. Like, the, not the young ones, like the, the smaller sports. Sure, yeah. Um, because, you know, I my, my fiancé ran cross country i'm not saying like they traveled you know across the nation or whatever sure. to, to, to for meets but when it comes to preparation especially for like baseball and jet lag and things like that and i think of like how fresh your legs are like that's what i would worry about with a cross country or a track runner and we that's haven't what I, gotten to school yet uh-huh that's what i'm, that's what I'm yeah. saying so like if if i have to travel from maryland and go to usc and i'm a volleyball player yeah like what about my legs yeah. like i gotta i gotta jump half the match yeah I got to move. I got to dive on the ground. Like, am I going to be fully there? 
those are the small the smaller sports really worry me in this case all right we'll change gears and talk pinnacle bank championship again next we talk to the tournament director jessica brayback 